0: Good morning. I am Jeremy Pleasant. I'm the senior pastor here at the Vineyard Church. Good morning. Um, really glad you're here with us. Really glad to be worshiping with you. And um, I'm I'm really, you know, I got so I got a call two weeks ago um, from Judy uh, about about this fire, and then. Dan kind of stepped in, and then right away, you know, we responded in in this way, and so I'm just, I'm really grateful for that. Um, Obviously, this week, there's been um, some some more stuff going on um, a bit east of us, and so we prayed for uh, kind of the victims of Hurricane Dorian this morning during our pre-service prayer, and so I ask that you engage with prayer, you know, for them this week, and uh, next week, um, I'm kind of working on uh, just kind of what our response is going to be, getting a lot of inquiries right now. And so just next week we're going to talk about that as I spend some more time praying about that and thinking about um, what we can do. Obviously we have um, uh, vineyards and and church family and uh, on on the coast uh, we don't have any vineyards in the Bahamas um, and so but we are looking at work with one of our partners to uh, Convoy of Hope to do some to do some relief there. So I'm going to be talking with Convoy this week about that, and and we're going to... And so, yeah, I'll keep you posted on that for next week. Um, So, it's September. Two more weeks, and fall comes. Are you ready? Yes. (laughs) Um, With that, we we are starting a new series today um, called Spirit in Life, Embracing the power of an extravagant God. And so I'm really excited about this series um, that we're going to be diving into because it, there's like, there, there are these different avenues of our faith, right? And so in our faith, in this walk with Christ, there's, there's learning. And you know, you know, learning is, is kind of something that we're, we're all really good at. That's kind of the mark of, of the, the Western church. But then there's also practice, right? We practice living out what we are learning. As we practice living, we have come to know what is true. That becomes a walk of our faith. For example, we learn that God gave us the ultimate sacrifice. And so we learn that being with Christ, we learn how to live sacrificially, right? And so we practice living sacrificially. We also have models, of, like, the faith, right? Like, you know, over the last 2,000 years, there's been model after model that has come up of, like, hey, this is how we live life. This is how we live like a Christian. We have patterns, instructions, which help guide us in our walk and lead us to know Christ more and to be more like him. This is all good. These are all good things. The question is, is there more? Is there more than the learning and the application and, and 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 the models that we have? Is there more to Jesus to him being a rescuer? Is there more than to look at Jesus as a model for how we should live? Is there more to this thing called Christianity that encompasses more than a practice in knowing? Is there also fulfillment? Is there also a state of grace that's possible? Is there also a way to kind of get to this place of transcendence in our lives? The question is yes. The answer is yes. And so that's what we're gonna get into this series. Now, before I proceed, I wanna address something. We're gonna unpack this more in a little bit, but all too often, our various understandings of Christ and faith lead us to emphasize one thing over the other and dismiss things that are just as important. Everything I mentioned at the beginning are good things. The models, the learning, the application, those are all good things, okay? But sometimes we need to look at some other areas where we might be lacking. And so our focus over the next six weeks is to grow more more and being encompassed by the Spirit Okay, so it's going to seem like we're going to have just like an, an, an overabundance of focus there, but that's because we're trying to create a, a more well-rounded look and, and, and a, more f- um, a more complete look of this walk with Christ. It doesn't negate all the other things. It doesn't mean those other things are less important. It doesn't mean, oh, you don't have to read your Bible anymore. You don't have to serve. It doesn't mean any of that. It means we have to look. So this thing in the vineyard that we call both and— you see, too often we're like, okay, this is what's more important, or, or, or this is what's most important. And so we have all these different things we see in Scripture and in the walk of faith that we try to identify as the most important thing. One of the things that we're dedicated to is like, oh, actually, what if it's all of them, <laughs> right? And what if we do, our bo- we do our best to actually hold all these things together and walk in all these ways to the fullness of how God made us and what he's calling us to do? So with all that said, we're going to, uh, over the course of this series, we're going to dive into all of this. And, and on the following Friday, I can't remember the date right now, but, but I'll get that to you. Um, we're going to have a Holy Spirit night. We're going to have a night on a Friday where we're just going to be able to just, just fully free and just fully express with, with the Spirit and, 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 to, and to follow him. And so there's going to be opportunities to understand and directly apply all the gifts we're talking about. Um, There's going to be opportunities to tie these things together in the life of the church. And so while this is a series um, on on a particular topic, we're going to be engaging in several different ways. And so as we put this to practice, my ask of you is wherever you are in, in your faith, wherever you are in your journey, you know, from a rookie to a veteran, to come with a posture of learning a commitment to apply your learnings and a willingness to open yourself up to experience more of what God has for you. can we do that? okay so let's begin with our understanding of the spirit with this point of commencement of Jesus' ministry in Luke 4:18 the spirit of the Lord is on me so to give context to what's happening here, Jesus is in the synagogue, okay? He stands up to do the reading for the day, and he reads this passage out of, out of Isaiah to describe himself. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free. So, in the, in the ancestry line of Jesus is King David. I think most of us who, who have been around church are familiar with King David. King David was also anointed. And, and anointed, when you, when you see that word, it means someone who is appointed, someone who was who sent, someone who's been an a, given an assignment. So that was also King David. He also had the Spirit of God on him. Okay, so we see this pattern here. The Spirit of God was on David, and down the line to the, the ancestry of Jesus, we have the spirits of God on Jesus. This Spirit did many things. And so we're going to talk about this Spirit and talk about those things and see what that looks like for us today as followers of Christ, we have that same appointment. We have those same assignments. We have that same anointing. We have that same access, and we have that same spirit. And so if someone says they're a Christian and they has a long enough time in a church, there's a certain understanding of the, of the, tr- of the Trinity, right? And so What's interesting is that, like, it's actually baked into our understandings now, but the church didn't actually have language and understanding of the Trinity until about 300 years after the church was established. And so, depending on our background, our experience, and other factors, we relate to the Trinity quite differently. Okay, so I'm going to show you this, this, this picture just to kind of help us understand this, okay? And so, within the Trinity, we have, we have God, we have Jesus, and we have the Holy Spirit okay? So for many people, the way they relate um, in, in their Christian walk is, 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 is with God, okay? Kind of their, their faith and their relation to the Trinity is with God. And, and, and with God, kind of that focuses on understanding and, and on wisdom, on justice and, and on action. And so that's kind of the, the, the majority of their, of their walk and their journey with God is, 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 in that, is in that way. And you'll see people and churches and, and and denominations with, with that kind of focus. And then you also have, um, those who kind of relate to the Trinity more, uh, relating towards Jesus. And so in that there's like this, this, this accountability, this, this commitment, this, this transformation. And so the Christian life is focused on that. Okay. And then there are others who, who relate more with, with the Holy Spirit and just focus on that. And that's, that's more this experience of God and, 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 the, and, and engaging with his gifts and these supernatural encounters. And so the reality is people are just a mix of all three, but we have a tendency to emphasize one over the, over the other. Okay, this isn't like, this isn't a bad thing. That's, that's, that's not what's happening here, but just I want you to kind of get a, a picture of what this looks like. And so what we want to do is have a balance, okay? What we want to do is actually be able to engage with the Trinity in all three ways so that we are pursuing wisdom and understanding and justice, that we are seeking transformation, that we're committing, but that we're also experiencing God and having these supernatural encounters. Because, you know, somewhere along the line, somewhere probably during enlightenment, um, we, as, as kind of the church said that, you know, the supernatural isn't really a thing anymore. Um, the rest of the world doesn't think so. <laughs> you go through most of the world, you know, the, the supernatural is a very real thing. And so uh, what we want to do and what we're going to be doing in this series is, is, is looking at the blue, kind of like we did with communion. How do we have this, ex- not just have an experience, but actually be encompassed with the sovereignty of God? Because when, when we're like encompassed in the sovereignty of God, there's like this, this, this scripture that says he has a peace that surpasses all understanding. Like that's when we get to actually see what that means, right? When, when we're under the sovereignty of God, there's a, just a deep contentment, a deep rest, a deep wholeness that just can't, be ha- that just can't happen in other areas. And so what we want to do is say, okay, how do we engage with the Holy Spirit without going too far in any direction? Because each part has its extremes, and how do we create a balance? And so over the next six weeks, we're going to be focused on how we engage with the Holy Spirit. But I also want you to keep in mind that we're always trying to engage with the entire Trinity and not just a part of it. And so we all have a trajectory. We all have a place we need to go, a deeper head knowledge and a heart knowledge. We have this, we have this saying in the vineyard called naturally supernatural. Okay? And so this is what that means. There, there's, there can be a tendency to uh overindulge with things with 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 the Holy Spirit. There can be a tendency to uh, manipulate things because we're trying to create an experience. And what we want to do is say, hey, we're actually really open to this, to this encounter with God, but we just want to do it in a natural way. We don't need to get weird about it, right? We just want to do that in a natural way. And so when I talked about at the beginning, kind of having this openness, there's like, hey, if we're going to be open to some new experiences, some new opportunities. We're also going to be like cool about it, <laughs> right? We're, you know, we, and we want to just do it naturally. We want to do it in the way um, that is authentic and with sincere devotion. Y'all with me so far? We all good with that? Okay. So I want to talk more, a little bit more about the Spirit right now. So there, there are two associations in nature when it comes to understanding the, the Spirit. And so in Scripture, um, the, the, the Scripture kind of describes the Spirit in like many different ways. And so two of those associations um, are, are wind and water. Okay. And so when you think about wind, the first thing that comes to my mind is power, like just sheer strength. And, and I think we can all resonate with that living in the South and in and, and hurricane country, right? <laughs> like we, 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 we have seen the sheer strength of what moving air can do, <laughs> Right? And so I, I want to sound, like understand this, this, this power of the spirit as, 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 as wind in that sense. Uh, there's a song by one of my favorite artists called Jimmy Needham um, called A uh, Hurricane. He's like, I need you like a hurricane. And just, I just, I need you to just come in and take everything over and just, just throw it all out of whack because I just, I need you to take over. Because it turns out me controlling things doesn't actually work out too well. I don't know if you found that out, but I found that out (laughs) over and over again. Wind also creates movement, right? Think, 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 Think of a sailboat on the ocean, you know? Wind takes us to places. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Wind also provides comfort. When you feel exhausted and worn, you ever just have that breeze come by and it's just, it, it's comforting? Now, I was, in, I was in Vegas last week when it was 110 degrees. That was hot. And, and a breeze came in. But it wasn't the breeze that I was used to. This was a, a desert breeze or it's just like, it was like someone just turned the heater on. And it was just like, this is not the breeze I was looking for, Nevada. What are you doing? But where, where I grew up, uh, so like most of California is desert, like a lot of people don't realize. Um, and so we lived in the desert part of Los Angeles. And so it, was, it would also get to like 110 degrees in August. And um, but when we would get a breeze, it would be that ocean breeze. And it would come and it would just be the soothing, Just rest. A soothing break from the suffocating heat. That's what the spirit does. That's what that wind is. Spirit is a source of life. Like water. Spirit is often referred to in the sense of water. And if you pass biology, it took me a few times, by the way, so if you didn't, don't worry about it. But if you pass biology you know that water is the source of every living thing on earth. And so scripture refers to the Holy Spirit as water, the fulfillment of desire. The Holy Spirit is water to a dehydrated soul. And I don't know if, it was, if you know what it's like to have a dehydrated soul, but, but I do, and boy, boy, That water comes in, and it's a a good thing. The the Holy Spirit is also referred to in in, in association with, like, human jobs. And so uh, the Holy Spirit is called the advocate, someone who fights for you, who defends you, who looks after your best interests. The Holy Spirit is called a counselor, someone who can help you see what you cannot see. And overcome what you can't do on your own. So as you see and hear these descriptors, does anything stand out to you? Is there any place in your life where you wish you had more of one of those things? Do you want to relate to the Holy Spirit in this way? Do you already do so but are seeing holes in your life where you can experience something new? If the answer to all those questions is no, congratulations, you've made it. You have won the game. Like I'm joking, right? Because the answer is, 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 is yes, because we all have places we need, we need more of, right? We're all on this journey, myself included, to deepen our relationship with the third person of the Trinity And that's where we want to go. And so, one of the first things we have to do in order to step into this journey is to find or even reestablish our identity. I'm really glad with what Justin prayed at the end. And I didn't even tell him to pray that. That's the first part. Our first markers of identity are as followers of Christ, beloved of God. But we've all had struggles. We've all experienced the weights of brokenness and failure. No one is exempt from that. Many of us, though, have identified with our struggles. We've identified with the broken parts in ourselves. We've identified it to the point to where it's not an event in our lives, but a map of who we are. So look. The great thing about Christ, the good news, as we say, like, the, like, what is that? Like, what is the good news? The good news is that he breaks us free from all of this, right? Like, that's the good news. He has made us free. We don't have to struggle with the shame of falling short. We don't have to do the same things over and over again that we don't want to do because he has freed us. He has rescued us. This is great, but all too often we stay there. We stay with that identity of a broken person put together. And I understand that identity as much or or, or more than most of this broken person put together. But we don't want to stop there. We have to continue. And this is what the Spirit does in many ways. We are redeemed. That's like the rescue part. But we are also restored, made brand new. And that's the identity that Jesus is calling us to, a new creation. Our job is to now walk in this new creation, to take on this body, which allows us to live free and to free others. But in order to do so, we must begin to shift our identity. We must go from broken and put back together to whole and brand new, right? So one identity is like, I'm good. I'm, I was, I, I was broken, but I got put back together. That's one identity. This other identity is like, I'm good. I'm actually whole. And I've been made new. Do we sense, do we see, do we see that difference there? This doesn't mean we're perfect. No, not at all. What it means is as we identify with this new nature, this whole healed person, we believe and do things that a whole healed person can do. Now, we never get to the point, for now anyway, of complete wholeness. There's still those busted parts of us that we have to like put off. Right? Like, so like there's the the way that Paul describes like there's like this old person, right? This old man that we got to put off and, and walk in this new person. But our identity is in the new person, not in the old person. But our orientation changes. And that's what's important. So let me illustrate this a little bit. Over the years, I've noticed, and, and you probably have too, that for those who have been uh, victimized um, by bisexual abuse, they've changed from victims to survivors, Right? Have you noticed that change over the last 20 years? I am no longer a victim. I'm a survivor. Now, did the victimization change? No. Did it still happen? Yes. Is there still brokenness there? What changed? Their identity. I'm not a victim. I'm a survivor. And so what happens? It, It changes the way we orient towards everything. It changes our capacity for healing. It changes our ability to move forward in our purpose. You see, too many of us still keep this balance sheet with God. I know that I've done it. Where it's like, okay, am I doing enough things for God good enough right now? Am I being good enough right now? Have I done enough right now? That is really stressful. That is really just, that's just a lot of weight. God would prefer if we would relate to Him and His Spirit as sons and daughters, not as debtors paying off a debt. So, I wanna look at one more thing. You know, too often we think that if we have to address something we've addressed in the past, like identity is like a common topic, right? And we're like, oh well, I've already dealt with that. I don't need, I don't need to go back there. We, we all gotta go back there. <laughs> just because we've dealt with something in the past, it doesn't negate the work that we've done. But there are just layers upon layers upon layers that God wants to take us, right? And so it's just like I, I wanna. I, I want to help us navigate these waters so that we can unpack those layers and and allow him to do the work that he wants to do. So there's, there's this thing in Scripture called the tabernacle, okay? Now, this started in the Old Testament right after Israel was rescued from Egypt, from slavery, okay? Now, after they were rescued, like... You may have missed it because it's, like, right in the weeds of, like, Exodus and Leviticus, like, and just all of that stuff. Like, I know, it's, 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 it's a hard read. <laughs> but in all that, there's this description of the tabernacle, okay? Now, this is really important. So, this is post-rescue. This is after they have been redeemed, okay? So, in the tabernacle, you have all these instructions and descriptions of how they built it in Scripture. So, it's, it's a, a good chunk of the, uh, of the uh, Old Testament. And... Because it was Israel's place of worship, okay? What well, we don't see in this picture is like all around them surrounding that, that tabernacle would be t- are, are the tents of all the tribes and all the families of Israel. And they would go into that tabernacle and worship. But it was also that, that, that place in the middle, not in the middle, but like a little bit further, that kind of rectangle thing on the inside, that was the altar. That's where God's presence lived, God would come down from heaven, would come to this altar, and would live with his people. God's presence followed them wherever they went. It was where his presence lived. Now, later on, David, remember we were talking about David earlier? David, he 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 was someone who was after God's own heart. He was someone who had the spirit, who was anointed. He searched after God. And out of that, he's like, God shouldn't live in some box in the, in, when David Samuel was the temple. In the temple, we need to build something grander for God. And uh, God's response through the, the prophet Samuel was like, "Nope, I don't need anything bigger. I'm good right here. There's this intentionality of God to be in the presence of his people in an intimate way. And, and, that's, and that's what we have here in this, in this small little way. God would show his presence, would, would like live there, because he wanted intimacy. Okay. And so Israel would go and worship in the tabernacle and experience the fullness of God. Okay. A little while later, we have Jesus. Okay. Okay. Now, Jesus was the living, human version of the tabernacle, okay? There's all these things in the New Testament which are, like, we can get into one day, you know, when I have more than 30 minutes, uh, of, <laughs> like, what we, we learn that Jesus is actually the living version, living, moving, breathing version of the tabernacle, Okay? And so, before he was born, if you remember, a lot of the the um, the, the the narratives of when Jesus was born, they said we will call him Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. He was the living version of the tabernacle. He was tabernacling among the people. And so, everywhere he went, he showed what the fullness of God was like and made available to everyone. Okay? So we have this trajectory. We go from tabernacle, we go to Jesus. What's next? Us. Remember I said the temple was a new version of the tabernacle? If you've read in the New Testament, it says that we are temples. Okay, so now take this understanding of temple and, and, and lay it under all of this context like especially in the context of the tabernacle, right? Because that's how they heard it. They very well knew what the tabernacle was. And so what does that mean? That God's very presence lives within us. That in the same way they experience the fullness of God in the tabernacle, in the same way people experience the fullness of God in Jesus, that we can experience the fullness of God in our own lives. As a home, as a place, as a temple where God lives. How could we live, or how would we live if we truly believe that? Now, I know you're saying, well, I do believe that. Not just here, but how would we live if we believe that here? (coughs) If that became a reality, that the same place and the same way God lived and dwelled in the tabernacle thousands of years ago, He lives with us. What would change? What risks would we take? What would we ask? What would we pursue? All right, let's look at some practical tips. I review the descriptions of the Holy Spirit we went over earlier power and strength, movement. Comfort, counsel, source of life, fulfillment of desire. What's missing in your life right now? Journal about that and intentionally seek the Spirit for that thing. And let's all do this together. Like, imagine if we're all doing this. Like, what's going to happen here? Right? Like, what's going to happen here if we're all engaging with this? Number two, talk with a trusted friend and also talk with God, like a trusted friend, about your true identity. What are you believing about yourself that God wants to change? The reason why we have to talk about it is because like out loud with person with God is because if we don't it just we can like rationalize it away in our heads. So we want to talk about it and kind of get it out there and get it into the light, right? Write down one part of your identity you want to change from broken to renewed. Just pick one part. number three, reflect on God living within us. Reflect on him living within you. What's one thing you can do if you truly believed and acted out of that truth? And then go and do it. All right, let's stand. So we're getting ready to, to, to take communion, and here at the Vineyard, we, we practice open communion. And through all of this, if you're like, I, I want this experience with God. I want to know this, this, this Holy Spirit. I want to engage with this Trinity. You're, you're, you are welcome and encouraged to come and take communion with us. I want you to take this time now and over over the next several weeks to remember that that the communion table is a place to encounter. We talked about the beginning, the supernatural encounters, right? To encounter the very presence of God. To begin to know what that's like so that we know how to experience it and what it looks like in our everyday. Because like, look, there's going to be these awesome moments, these these. These grand moments that we're like, we'll never forget. And then there's going to be these smaller moments that are just as powerful that can become a regular part of our life. So as we take communion, let's, let's go down that journey.